0: Hello and welcome to another MPRAC podcast from the Black Dog Institute. I'm Jan Orman. This podcast summarises the most important discussion points from webinar 27 in the Black Dog Institute's MPRAC webinar series. This webinar was about the identification and management of burnout. With me on the panel were Professor Gordon Parker, Professor of Psychiatry at Black Dog Institute and the University of New South Wales, and his research assistant, Gabriella Tavella. You will also hear the voices of Dr. Jocelyn Lowinger, formerly a GP who now works as a career coach to doctors, and Dr. Elizabeth Lennon, a clinical and organisational psychologist. Researching the webinar, I spoke to a lot of people about burnout, and I was very interested to note how many people didn't believe it existed. Many thought it was a form of depression. Some of them were experts in the field. That's why I thought I'd better start by asking Professor Parker whether he thought there was actually such a thing as burnout.
1: I believe there is. Um, I think there are some definable constructs that underline the burnout uh, concept. Firstly, a state of exhaustion. Uh secondly, um it's well described that people tend to be less empathic or less productive at work, um, other constructs such as uh not being able to concentrate quite so well, scanning things and so on and so forth. So they they describe some of the features, but you also have to put it in context. So these features only become relevant if the individual has been in an environment where they're put under huge work stress. Unfortunately, the concept of burnout has been loculated to people in a work environment, and particularly those in the caring professions. I personally believe that burnout is equally likely to be experienced by people who are doing very hard yards, looking after other people. So a mother with two children with intellectual disabilities who cry all night long, and she has to look after them seven days a week and doesn't get much sleep to my mind, is just as likely to develop burnout um, as somebody in a workplace that's particularly demanding.
0: I wonder if you, as participants, have thought about the mother with the crying babies as somebody who might be subject to burnout. Jocelyn, looking at what Professor Parker just said, do many of the doctors and health professionals that you see fit the description that Professor Parker just gave.
2: Yeah, so look, he he essentially said that it's characterised by high levels of exhaustion, reduced levels of empathy and feeling like you're less productive at work. I'd say absolutely, yes, 100%. I see that in doctors who come to me all the time. However, I want to qualify that by saying very rarely do I get people coming to say, I'm burned out, help me. Uh, what people do come to me and say is, hi, I'm not sure if I'm in the right career anymore. I think I need to change. Maybe this specialty isn't the right one for me anymore. I've done general practice for too long. I need to change. So I get a lot of those. And I also get a lot of people saying, I'm not feeling confident. And I think I've got imposter syndrome. And then as we start to unpack what's going on for people, there's this burnout element that's sitting there underneath it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. What about you, Liz? What kinds of people have you encountered that you have would describe
3: as having burnout? Well, I work both in the health sector and um, in general corporate environment with executives. And, and I think it's, um, as Jocelyn said, sometimes people come and say, I just feel burnt out. But mostly it's people who are in high-demand roles where there may be um, and a surge of demand on them or or load, um, or s- complexities in the work, the way the work is organised, that lead them to feel more than more than usually tired, a sense of total dissatisfaction with things, that feeling of of just blah, I just nothing gets me interested anymore. I'm questioning what I'm doing with with my life. So you get a lot of those sort of vague. Um, Statements from people when you talk to them, but I think you know um, it is about uh, the, the pressures or the un, unusual pressures that arise from focused attention to a to, to any kind of work, whether it's in the work the formal workplace or at home, that um, gets gets people to the point where they feel completely overloaded and unable to have a sense of agency and control over what they're doing.
0: So, so what I'm hearing you say is that they're not necessarily a particular kind of professional. They're not health professionals, for example. No. They can equally be uh, managers of any level. Mm. I guess this is this is the the thing that I was trying to draw out with that question. You know, it's not a particular kind of job that leads no. to burnout, huh?
3: Yeah,
0: no, not at all. And. Gabby, as part of the research, I know that you did a survey of people who thought that they had had burnout themselves. What kind of people responded to that survey?
4: Yeah, so we um, invited anyone who self-identifies as experiencing burnout to participate Um, and we ended up getting over a thousand participants um, and the most commonly uh, endorsed occupation was um, any type of managerial position so that could be like a project manager or a human resources manager um, followed by being a student uh, as the next most popular then uh, being a teacher or a nurse and then in our top our Our next one was surprisingly uh, being primarily responsible for home or care duties. Mm -hmm. Interesting,
0: isn't it? It's across the population. So how do you define burnout? Are there formal definitions of burnout in things like the DSM or the ICD?
4: Um, so, it's not listed at all in the DSM, so it's not a diagnostic uh, category at all in that manual. In the ICD-10, burnout is listed. Um, it's described just as a state of vital exhaustion and that's all it says about it. But it, in where it's listed, it's listed as a residual category, so it's not a diagnostic category in the ICD-10. And then the ICD-11, which has just been recently released, it is included in that manual however it's under the section that is called factors influencing health status or contact with health services and anything that comes up under those section that section um, is included as something that might affect whether someone is like accessing a health service but it can't be considered an illness or injury so again in that manual it's not considered a diagnosable disorder either so the consensus seems to be that burnout does exist,
0: that it can affect almost anyone in almost any job if the conditions are right, but that it is not a diagnosable mental health condition. The name that comes up a lot in the discussion about burnout is Christina Maslach.
4: She um, is a social psychology researcher and her and her team were interested um, in understanding how people in the, working in the human services sector were able to deal with the emotional um, components of their job and how they were able to get through that, those really difficult components of their job. And what they found through interviews with these workers is that um, the, the workers were the ones saying, you know, we feel really exhausted, we don't really care about our clients anymore, and they were saying, we feel burnt out. So because um, Maslach and her colleagues noticed that this is what they kept bringing up, they kept bringing it up, they decided, well, that's what we want to focus our research on. So then they started working specifically at understanding burnout in the human services sector and from that research they developed um, the now most widespread definition of burnout as well as the most commonly used measure of burnout, which they've adapted from... in the human services sector to other occupations as well.
0: So maybe that's the reason we all think that it's the human services sector that's got a monopoly on burnout. The big question is, is burnout a form of depression? I think we should ask Professor Parker whether he thinks burnout is a form of depression.
1: Well, we don't know the answer to that. It's quite possible that it could be simply depression. In my view, I think there are key differences. Um, The key defining feature to me in depression is a drop in one's self-esteem or self-worth. The individual feels worthless, they're highly self-critical. You don't tend to get that in burnout. The person is more describing a state of exhaustion. There may be a lot of anxiety, there may be depressive symptoms, they may feel sad, they may feel that life is not worth living, but they rarely contemplate suicide, whereas people with depression are much more likely to contemplate suicide. So I think there are differences. Um, Whether they are entirely independent conditions or interdependent conditions, I think is the more important issue. Or is it possible that they are sequential stages? So we accept that grief and depression are quite differing constructs. And we know that in the early stages of grief, it's almost unheard of for an individual to be depressed. But the later stage of grief 30% 30% of people can be quite depressed. So it may well be that they are differing conditions, but at times they can come together. And I think that's the most likely um, most likely model.
0: The difference exists between depression and burnout. Tell me something, Jocelyn, does what Professor Park is saying resonate for you?
2: Yeah, look, I think so. I think I definitely, as a coach, putting on a coach hat, I don't see burnout as a clinical issue or a health. Okay, it's got health implications, but it's not directly an illness in itself. So I'm not taking an illness approach to people who are suffering burnout or feel that they are. Really, the approach that I'm taking is building on strengths and taking a whole person approach to what's going on for them in their lives and the narratives that they're making around that and helping them find new meanings and, you know, addressing the, the physical needs, emotional needs and, you know, your cognitive needs as well. Depression, certainly I can coach people who are burned out and concurrently depressed, but I feel like even if they're getting also set clinical psychology, I could still coach at the same time they can go hand in hand together so you can have an illness approach and a coaching approach at the same time and so yeah I kind of think yes they can occur together does burnout lead to depression I'm not sure I think the jury is still out on that one
0: Elizabeth would you say that of the illnesses that are concurrent with burnout that depression would be the most common one?
3: Um, In my experience, and I guess I see a selected group of people, it's more likely to be anxiety that comes hand in hand with burnout. Um, I am persuaded, having now heard Professor uh, Parker a few times with this webinar, I've been thinking about it and and it does make sense to me that it's sequential, that um, someone presenting with burnout who um, is not heard, is not listened to, is not assisted to find ways in getting some relief from their exhaustion, um, getting back a sense of identity and agency and meaning in their life if, if their attempts at healing, because I, I do think when people present as being burnt out, they're looking for a change, they're looking for a difference. So if that doesn't happen, I can imagine that that becomes depression over time. But when I see people who present as frustrated wondering why they're feeling like their um, accomplishments are giving them no pleasure anymore um, exhausted they are seeking to shift to change to have to be heard um, and so I guess I tend like Jocelyn to to put it in a to, to, to try and normalize it to not see it as a pathology to see it as as a, a state a state of mind a state of mm-hmm. physical reactivity um, to which they can actually from which they can actually shift.
0: Are some people more susceptible to burnout than others?
1: I think the most susceptible group are those who are reliable, conscientious, whose word is their bond, who, when they commit themselves to any task, feel that they're obliged to carry it through. And they're basically um, reliable, perfectionistic, and at times they can be workaholics. Uh, that, I think, is the most likely group. I have yet to come across anyone who uh, is a sort of no worries, she'll be right mate type person who's experienced burnout. So I think that that's the key personality style. And I think that helps to explain why we do seem to observe a greater overrepresentation of burnout in doctors and nurses and lawyers, people in caring professions where the job demands uh, are high but also where either those people with that sort of personality style are more likely to enter those professions and or the profession tends to make people more perfectionistic and reliable because if they're not, they're not going to be successful.
0: Gabby, is there any more in the literature that we need to know?
4: Um, so the literature is quite mixed. So our research, as Professor Barker was just saying, is... Uh, Indicates that you know, perfectionistic um, personalities or people that are high in conscientiousness uh, seem to be more susceptible to burnout. But some literature suggests that those that are conscientious are actually protected from getting burnout because, and the argument there is that they're more organized um, and they you know, because they're so hardworking and they're so on the ball all the time at work, they are able to prevent themselves getting overly stressed because they're able to handle uh, stressful situations at work better. Um, so that one's a bit of a contentious one, whereas um, a personality type that has been more strongly linked to burnout is neuroticism. So people that are more neurotic uh, seem to be more vulnerable to burnout because they, um you know, they because they react with h- higher emotions to some situations than others, um, they're more susceptible to be impacted by stressful events at work. Whereas people that are extroverted, on the other hand, are less likely, less vulnerable to getting burnt out. Um, and the argument there is that maybe because they are better at interacting with people and they're more likely to, Um, reach out to others for support if things are going wrong, uh, they are able to prevent themselves from getting uh, burnt out.
0: I asked Professor Parker whether he thought that stressors outside the workplace contributed to the development of burnout.
1: I don't think so. I think burnout is loculated to the job environment and the the uh, particular individual's personality. Um, I see burnout... um, as much in uh, individuals who have supportive families as I do in those who might have dysfunctional families or otherwise unsupported. So I think it really is largely independent of the individual's background social support network.
3: Here's
0: Elizabeth's response.
3: I I don't agree with that to be honest. I I think um, the workplace, um, I, I think there's a perfect storm that comes together in terms of a person's tiredness, vulnerability, um, uh, dema- and the demand of, of the work with the structure of the workplace, um, the, si- the support systems available to that person, the actual role design. Um, in modern organisations now, the, the traditional concept of an appropriate role design seems to have flown out the, uh, out the window. So I find people are in, in roles with bits added on all over the place, poor lines of sight. Um, undefined accountability, um, crazy expectations and all of those things uh, to me create a perfect storm with somebody who's very conscientious, probably a people pleaser, um, has a very strong internal critic. So yeah, those things go together for me.
0: So we're looking at lots and lots of straw falling on the camel's back from all different directions, multifactorial etiology, and including the characteristics of workplaces. This is what Prof Parker says about the characteristics of workplaces.
1: So it could be if the work um, environment is incredibly time consuming, but then that reason immediately raises the issue that people who work 12 or 15 or 16 hour days and often claim it's because the work demands are horrendous. It's often, as much coming from their personality where they choose to do that. Uh, so again, I think that takes us back to, you know, the personality. So I think the work environment is, is if it's if it's demanding, um, if it's um, uh, pressure, 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 um, I think is all important. I don't think it's necessary that the work environment has to be a harsh or punitive one of necessity. I think, you know, we see burnout in people who are doing incredibly rewarding and satisfying jobs, in fact that's probably more likely.
0: From a research point of view, um, it sounds like the contribution of workplaces is unclear, but I'm hearing from you Elizabeth and Jocelyn that there's a lot about the workplace that can contribute to burnout and I think most people in our audience would agree with that. We talked about the ways of identifying burnout and whether instruments such as the Maslach burnout inventory might actually be useful in clinical practice. Liz, Maslach burnout inventory, do you use it? Is it something that's useful in clinical practice? And if not, what do you
3: do? Well, I, don't, I, I know of it. I've used it for research purposes, but I don't use it in, um, in the workplace because it doesn't seem to be necessary. I think the three main categories I use as, as a sort of internal rule of thumb to just, I guess, get a sense for myself about whether this is burnout or is this specifically associated with exhaustion. Um, so, I, you know, for me it's about listening to the person's story. You know, I think one of the things that we haven't talked about with burnout is that is that because often people who, have, who are experiencing burnout are high achievers... It really is a disruption of their narrative and of who they are and how they see themselves in the world. They've often been very competent people or felt um, engaged with their work and uh, skillful, and suddenly it's overwhelming them. And so there's that break with the sense of who they are um, and that sense of accomplishment and meaning from work. So. You know, I'm listening to am listening more to this story I am, than than actually um, filling in a um, an assessment.
0: Can we use our knowledge of vulnerable personality styles or of unhelpful coping styles to help people with burnout? Jocelyn, can we do anything um, in this area?
2: Yeah, well, we definitely can. One thing I'm very careful to do, though, is to not label somebody with a personality style in a way that feels very fixed because then people feel a little bit helpless, that I'm such and such a personality and I can't do anything about that. It's just my lot in life. And that kind of promotes a victim-type mindset. So I like to talk to people about preferred styles of interacting in the world, which is really what personality means, and and that those styles, whilst they might be preferred, you're not beholden to them, you're not fixed into that, and you can actually choose different styles of responding and reacting depending on the situation. I'm thinking
0: about a couple of different people. I'm thinking about the people who, when stressed, go to work more instead of less, Or the people who, when stressed, are likely to lash out at other people, which is not going to do them any any good in the workplace. So those are the kinds of things that you think are modifiable in people?
2: Well, I think you've got to have some self-awareness. So people, and myself included, we all tend to react first and think afterwards. So it's really slowing it down. Let's unpick that situation. What happened? What were you feeling when? And, And laying it out on the table so people get some awareness or get a growing awareness that, well, when I'm stressed, I do tend to snap at people or I do tend to overwork because I'm trying to get get control. And then it will be, well, now that you've realised that, let's think of some different strategies you can be trying.
0: I think we're all saying that there are individual factors that may be modifiable. We've just got to be careful of the language that that we use in describing those factors and build the things that we do and the things that they're saying into a broader narrative of who that person is and the meaning of things for them. Gabby, what do people who've experienced burnout say has helped them the most with their recovery?
4: talking to someone or reaching out to support networks and exercise both came up uh the most whether which one came before, more which one was nominated more often than the other we're still not 100% sure about just with the nature of our data but then under that it's all in order so yeah then followed by meditation mindfulness and going down the list
0: sleep and rest my goodness <laughs> changing taking leave from work that's a novel idea isn't it consulting a psychologist, none of these things are world-shatteringly new ideas, but they're the kinds of things that, that, that people with burnout won't necessarily take advantage of, are they not?
4: Yeah, I find, I also think that the um, taking medication one is interesting because burnout isn't technically diagnosable according to any mm-hmm. diagnostic manual, so I'm interested to know what type of medication people are being prescribed to treat their burnout.
0: Do you think maybe some of the people who took medication had more than just burnout perhaps they had some coexisting depression or anxiety that they were taking the medication for That's a generous yeah. conclusion yeah li-
4: likely that a, a few of them were probably had some comorbid things going on as well.
0: Can I just suggest that there may be some things online that if you feel that you are developing some burnout yourself or that you know somebody that you're seeing um, is suffering from burnout, these things might be helpful to keep in mind as useful possibilities. There's the Smiling Mind app, which is, of course, a set of mindfulness exercises, tracks that people can use to increase their mindfulness practice. There are things like the Breathe app from Reach Out, which um, is just basically a breath-based relaxation. We know that exercise is useful according to what Gabriella has told us already and there are even app exercise related apps and my favorite at the moment is a yoga app called Down Dog, which is free. Um, you can buy some add-ons but my expert my app expert tells me. That the add-ons for down dog don't make the yoga programs any better. There are online sources of mindfulness-based therapy that you can access. The one that springs to mind immediately is the This Way Up program of mindfulness-based therapy. And there are, of course, places where you can go to um, access CBT skill-based skills acquisition, like the Black Dog Institute's My Compass program, which offers CBT skills very con- in very convenient packages that you can access at in whatever order that you like. There are also workplace-related strategies that, that you or your patient or client can put in place, like perhaps even starting a resilience-building program in the workplace. And I know there are people who have done this. There's a, a six-week structured resilience-building program called the Mental Fitness Program, I think it's called, on Black Dog Institute's Bite Back website. Never mind that it's a website for 13 to 18-year-olds. It is a fantastic resilience-building program. Perhaps you'd like to think about a book club or other activity at work that takes you away from the workplace uh, problems for a while and develops a sense of uh, solidarity within the workplace team or even a charity fundraiser like the Movember uh, Foundation's activities.
3: Increasingly, uh, workplaces are encouraging mm. um, a, a running workshops around self care. Um, you know, proper exercise, proper diet, proper sleep. And I think one of the things I just put in the chat chat box uh, um, a a way of thinking about resilience that I f- I find is very useful for people is is the notion of managing energy managing rather than managing time so getting people to think about their emotional energy how they how they build their emotional energy their physical energy and their spiritual energy but apart from that good organizations have good systems and for feedback um, setting expectations communication, Support. So we can conclude from all this that burnout probably does
0: exist as a separate entity from depression and is more common than we realise. There are, however, things that can be done by individuals and by workplaces to prevent and manage burnout. There seems to be a lot of work still to be done by researchers to tease out what exactly is going on, and a lot of change that needs to be made to attitudes and workplace cultures. You're welcome to learn more about burnout from the on demand recording of this webinar that can be accessed via the MPRAC page of the Black Dog Institute website. Thank you for listening.